Welcome to the Three Points and a Pie podcast, brought to you by the Pig and Pan Public House, Bermondsey. Sit back and listen to a few numpties chat all things football. Here's your hosts, Kyle Colson, Colby Stevens, and Alfie Lauder. Welcome to our third episode of the Three Points in a Pie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle Colson. We also have with us Colby Stevens and Alfie Lauda. And uh, yeah, without much more ado, let's get the show going and let's let's start talking about some football. Let's talk about that Leicester Leeds match and uh, what's going on there. Let, let, first, let's just talk about the fact that that match that was a pretty even match uh, all the way through. Um, I really felt like Leeds kind of from a week's evolution they've definitely uh, and with Jesse Marsh there I think that they've stepped up a little bit I think Lester just had a better showing that day one thing that I I think everybody <laughs> wants to really talk about is this the Bielsa chant did anybody catch that I didn't watch that match no, well, no I didn't know if anybody caught it in any of the highlights or whatever but god damn it that was fucking crazy but, oh no I saw I did see an article about that yeah 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 but I think uh, I think Jesse Morris's impact um, on Leeds is definitely showing. Um, you know, people like Alfie has said before, people have a 10 second memory. I don't really feel like they did with this one. I feel like everybody's just going to sit there and bash him because he's an American um, and just take, you know, and nitpick everything, every little thing that he does. But I think he's doing a good job. I think he I think there's a lot more to come from him. I think Leeds is going to be in the come up, especially going into the next season. And that obviously will depend a lot on the transfer um, and what they do. But uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I mean, you can see with just like the shots total from Leeds in that match that I mean, that's an improvement. If they're if they're at least like, you know, pepper in the net, that's something that's a positive. And 20 shots, four on target when I mean, that's at least you're making stuff happen. You just got to get more, more clinical. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think just going off of your point about Jesse Marsh, in his post-match game uh, report, he, he mentioned about the fact that he, he was looking for the performance as opposed to the to the result. And I mean, mm. there's pundits and there's a few people that like write articles that are already kind of jumping on his back about that comment. The, the performance is going to tell him where leads are at on how they're responding to, to his methods. Um, it just it kind of pissed me off with how I don't think it would either. And I mean, going back again to, you know, the whole Ted Lasso comparison. But I think there's more things to come, guys. I think you did a really good job. Uh, kudos to Leeds, but definitely a uh, round of applause to Leicester City for that match. Yeah, getting the three points out of it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. all you can ask. All right. So let's get into the next match. Let's talk about the Aston Villa Southampton match. Alfie. Um, with this match, it. it... Although there weren't a lot so much riding on it, uh, neither team is, you know, that they're, they're not going to be kind of fighting for top four. They're not in relegation battle. It was more from Southampton's point of view. Uh, Villa obviously got the result and it was great to see Coutinho um, back to what his, his old self used to be. But um, him playing behind the, the, the front two, Ollie Watkins and uh, Danny Ings, I think that's going to open up a whole new area of like creativity for that team. The result obviously was like the the, the big scoreline for Villa 4-0. But um it was more of a 
team performance, although Coutinho will obviously get the headlines, um, from front to back, they, they really did put in a good performance. But really with, South, with Southampton, they're such a strange team because it's like every eight to ten games, they, they just get a spanking. Like, they don't just lose. They'll lose by, like, a lot, you know, 4-0, 7-0, 9-0. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think has and Hootle. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's going to be games like this that's just going to keep him out of the running for that kind of that top level job. Right. Well, I find interesting about this match too is the fact that Southampton they they had sixty one percent excuse me sixty one percent possession uh, versus Aston Villa's thirty eight and Villa went and ran away with it. I mean that blows my mind. You know, most times you see these teams they they control possession and typically win the game. Uh, that's clearly not the case here. It's kind of wild to me. Southampton, it wasn't a bad performance. It's just really hard to to nail down. It's it's like it is. It's like every eight, nine, ten games, they're just not at the races. I mean, are we seeing more of a, like a resurgence of them with Steven Gerrard? Are we think are we seeing like his his tactics, his mentality starting to creep in more with them now that he's you know gotten some better. Well, not better, but well, I mean, you can say that. But better players, he's added to the squad. He's built that squad and are we seeing him actually starting to seep in and these are the benefits or do you think it was just a fluke i think with 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 what he's done with the team i mean he's he's still not vastly experienced as a manager but the the way it's looking villa would have been you know bottom third kind of thing that and he's now kind of he's going to propel him up to that that mid-table fighting out for even like a, a top six in europe um, there's definitely a lot more cohesion throughout the team. I think he's improved them from front to back. It's not just a case that, you know, he's, he's got lucky with a couple of strikers. They've been really clever about who they've brought in to actually fit what he wants to play. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think it's, I think it's really crazy, uh, but kind of that just for that match, I mean, they really showed that they didn't need Jack anymore. I feel like most of the season they were missing him and they needed him to be able to sit there and create a, uh, the plays that he was doing like he was last year. Given giving Coutinho that kind of free reign, though, I think that you're going to see – I mean, I, I don't think that Coutinho is the player that he was when he was with Liverpool, but I think that yeah, – I mean, he's still a great player, and you give him that op- that opportunity to play like Jack had that, like that free range over that area. All right, Kyle, let's move into the Burnley and Chelsea match. Uh, yeah, another, you know, cracker of goals, another 4-0. Um it was good to see Reese James back. It's good to see Reese James scoring. Um, the kid of the match. The kid is a talent and and somebody I love having on fantasy. So it's good to have him back. Um, <laughs> now you know, obviously we're we're seeing like when when these purchases were first made. I don't feel like we got to see the full skill of Kai Havertz and some of the. I mean, obviously we're still kind of waiting to see Timo step up, um, other than the occasional goal. But like we're really starting to see Kai Havertz find his own and the team, and I think that that's going to be a big thing for a while, and hopefully he sticks with with Chelsea with everything that's going on. Who knows? We'll see what the ownership does. Um, on to that point, with the new ownership looming, I'm I'm just concerned about how the players are going to fare. I mean, there are a lot of contracts coming up at the end of this year, at the end of 2023. Um, so you know it's it's high time to be getting some people re-signed when you're talking about like Aspa, uh, Rudiger. Um, I mean, Christensen sounds like he's fucking already foot in the door at Barca, but who knows about that? But I just think that, 
you know, obviously, whenever you're talking about transfers, the managers and the ownership are something that's a consideration for the players and, and a club that's in tumultuous straits like that. I don't think it's a good situation for transfers. Um, but yeah, that being said, um, we can dig back into that for a second. Uh, it was a shaky first half from from Chelsea, but then, you know, I guess that team talk must have kicked their asses because it was a different second half. It really was definitely two different games. Well, and, uh, you know, are we also seeing Burnley's lack of creativity where they're, you know, the, the Dyche method of, you know, big power, blah, 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 but not a lot of like actual on-ball talent. Um, are we seeing that as the effect again? Because it just seems like over and over lately where we're getting up and down from them and it's there's, there's zero, zero consistency that I'm seeing from from Burnley. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, we've talked over the last couple of weeks how about Bedhurst coming in, um, especially from Bundesliga, um, and how he's produced with Burnley and what he's bringing to that team. He, he I don't believe he actually started uh, this match, but I think that there's a lot that needs to go on up front too. I, I, their their backs seem to be able to defend the ball well, um, but obviously you see there in the second half it was it was almost kind of felt like they gave up a little bit or I felt they felt like they they lost their step uh coming back from the half I just perspectively I I Chelsea though I I, I can't say enough about what happened there in the second half and especially with Kai Havertz two goals I mean that was they, they were two minutes apart he really came in and just said you know what fuck today we're gonna fucking win we're gonna take the we're all the bullshit that's going on outside of this we're gonna fucking show the world that we're still Chelsea and we're still gonna fucking do what we do here I think as well with Chelsea, I mean, I, I said a few months ago when when we lost Ben Chilwell and then unfortunately uh, Reese James as well, um, I said then that the, the season's over. Uh, we, we were in it for then the Cups. With the way that, that Tuchel kind of lines up and the way that he, he plays his football, you take out Reese James and Ben Chilwell and it's, it's a whole different team. Them overlapping runs, they just bring everything together. Just before Reese James's injury, he started actually bringing out as well the best in like Zayic. Uh, them two down there on the right, they they really started kind of connecting. Um, the biggest takeaway was this: is that the, that second half performance without Lukaku. Um, I don't think that would have happened with him there. I think with Lukaku, they really do have to modify the way that they're playing because he 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 blocks so much space there right in the middle. Um, you don't get the overlapping runs. You, it, he doesn't kind of free up space for others to run into. It's a case of he's he's a centre. He is an out and out centre forward. That's that's his job. You know he wins the balls and um, is a is a box predator. But with with Kai Havertz, I think he with him drifting in and out, it, it, it's hard for him to just link up. I think if if we'd have kept both wing backs. I think that the, the the title race would still be very much on. Do you think that you'd still be know. running a three four three if Chilwell was if Chilwell was fit? I do. I, I think they. I think he would have stuck to that method. I think since since we lost both sides, I think he's he's had to find a lot of solutions. And I mean that is that's credit to Tuchel. Um, he's juggled stuff around a lot, and he's at least at least he's kind of kept Chelsea in that that kind of top four zone. Um, we've already been to the the final of one. And we're looking healthy in the other competitions. Um, I just, I do, I, I think it would have been a different title race 
if we hadn't have had it, because it weren't just the, the win-backs that we lost. Uh, we had massive COVID injuries, is, issues, um, injuries in general. I mean, we didn't have any of those kind of COVID breaks that some of the other teams, we still went out and played, even though, you know, most of the time we was missing either the, the front line or at least part of the midfield as well. So I mean, I'm only going to hear so much of COVID injury crying because everyone has it, okay? Everyone has it. No, nah, but the, the thing is, is that we didn't miss any games. We still played out, you know? I mean, with Liverpool, they went from, what, 10 cases? Oh, that was bullshit, was just, too. And then it was just one positive. We didn't have any break at all. So we, we, we met our fixtures. Yeah, we only had the one last season during Christmas where, like, you know, COVID was still much more crazy. I well, mean, obviously, to, it's still very crazy. But. They seem to fuck around with the rules so much, you know. Um, I, I don't care what anyone says. If COVID shouldn't have anything to do with um, injuries, injuries are injuries, COVID's COVID. But they were kind of lumping everything together that if you've got this many players out injured and then this many players with COVID, well, you know, you still got to play. Um, and I've, that definitely benefited. I mean, there was at one point when it was it Burnley or, or Tottenham, they had like four or five games they still had to make up. I think there's still mm-hmm. teams that are still making up two or three games. Very masked anymore. COVID's gone away. Let's carry on playing. That's certainly the um, the facade that's being put out uh, with people not wearing masks now. That it, it, it still doesn't exist. Still very much exists. And you know, obviously, you both know. I just just this past week, I had it. So. And I'm vaccinated. Uh, granted, the the uh, the half life of it was completely different than the last couple of times I had it, uh, especially back in was it January of 2020. Um, but the fact that they're they're not separating the two is annoying, absolutely, because it's the same it's the same shit that they're doing with you know putting up these numbers for for COVID altogether. I mean, these people are probably walking in with. Um, It'd be something so minuscule, but or or even somebody like who has an autoimmune disease, they didn't you know take the steps to get vaccinated, or it wasn't for them, whatever it may be. Um, okay, so that wraps up this segment, and we'll be right back. Hey, this is Ryan Reynolds. Yep, the guy who played your favorite walking corpse, Deadpool. If you downloaded the movie for free, well, let's just say I hope you get an incurable STD. You cheap-ass shit-sniffer. Anywho, I'm here on the Three Points and a Pie podcast as I promised the guys I would answer one question on my ownership of Wrexham FC. Yes, I own a pro football team. Can Chris Hemingsworth say the same thing? No. No, he cannot. All he has is that shiny fucking hammer and a franchise that crashed and burned. So... The guys asked me about our recruitment at Wrexham. And I'm going to say the same thing to them as I did in the movie. We need to build a fucking team. We need them tough, morally flexible, and young enough so that they can carry this franchise 10 to 12 years. Let's, uh, let's move over into the Newcastle-Brighton match. That was, uh, that was, that was another weird match where it was, you know... The the team with the least least goals scored had the least pos- or the most possession. It didn't even. It's again, I'm, it blows my mind that it even happens. But Newcastle did kind of set the tone early there, um, and then they you know they helped finish it late. Um, 
my biggest question here for the, not really so much about the match, but more so about Brighton. You know, what is, what do they need to move up and be a little bit more of a contender, um, even in the middle of the table? I think if they could get someone that's just that little bit more clinical or more of a kind of predator, because um, I mean, all throughout this season, the, what we've kind of said about this game, you, you could have probably said it about Brighton 10 or 15 times. They deserve to win. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great performance from Newcastle. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a massive three points for Newcastle. But with massive. Brighton, I mean, every time I've watched them play, when they've not won, they've, they pretty much deserve to win. And I think it was a it's a great testament to, to, to how far Brighton have come as a club. Mm. Where um, Eddie Howe and in general he kind of acknowledged the fact that you know Brighton were the better side, the Newcastle were a bit more clinical on the day. That's what I'm saying. I mean, why? Where? If you're not, if you're able to pass the ball that much, I mean, why aren't you executing? I also, I mean, I've also been wondering about because I feel like this has been going on for a little bit, and I don't quite understand it. Like, has Alan Saint Maximin been like? on a soft injury or something like that. Cause I feel like he hasn't been starting much at all. And we've been seeing those kind of late substitutes from him. And I'm like, you're, you're one of the best players on the team. Why are you not starting, not a starting forward? But I mean, maybe that's just me. Mm. Same thing kind of with, with Brighton. Like, you know, you have Neil Mope on the bench. You have Leilana that I don't think even got any minutes in that match. I don't know if he, I mean, I, I, I don't know if he's hurt. I know that they, they had a, a pretty hectic schedule at the beginning to like middle of the season, um, it was kind of like a very similar starting 11. And but, um, it made, I mean, the only thing that I can kind of think of is it is just player management because uh, Neil Mope, I mean, he is a he is an out and out threat, yeah. Um, he's scary, yeah. I mean, he's Basuma, he has he's been linked with kind of like top four teams, he's, he's but uh, the way that he can kind of take a game by the scruff of the neck in midfield and he. he he can break up play. He is a phenomenal player. A lot of those forward play, like like with uh, Almiron for uh, Newcastle, he's been in and out. But I feel like just being in Newcastle, training in Newcastle all the time, you're probably going to just like catch some sort of like muscle injury just from running around in that weather. But that's I don't know, limited knowledge of the area, I guess. But I feel like that's the case. John Joe Shelby looks like he's a vampire and. He's perfect for Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving into the uh, Norwich uh, Brentford match, that was a that was a fucking penalty fest from what it seemed like. Three one, uh, and then the Wolverhampton Crystal Palace match, we had a nil two match there line or score line there. Um, I don't really feel like there was a whole hell of a lot to talk about with the Crystal Palace match. All right. Again, here here we are with uh, with a team that had sixty four percent possession and lost the match. Right? That that that's nothing to talk about anymore. Uh, so moving along, we're going to get into that Liverpool West Ham match. Yeah. So that that was that was one of those where you're just sitting there waiting for somebody to get something done. Like it felt like both sides were just beating against walls that they weren't really cracking through. Um, and you know there were so. I mean, honestly, it felt like. It, for me watching it, it felt like West Ham actually were were more, uh, they had some more tooth to their attack, um, like a little more, it just felt like they, like they had some, some really good opportunities that just didn't go their way. 
And I feel like if, if it had just gone this way a couple times, it could have been like three to one West Ham, but such as football. And, you know, um, one thing I do think is notable is like, you could, I mean, you know, that goal, while it was fairly early, it was still just sitting at one nil that whole time. And there was just this like pressure the whole time building. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, once that final whistle kicked, you could really tell how much it meant to the players, how much it meant to the support. I mean, everyone's cheering, like, and you just, you, you felt that, that positive vibe from like the whole team where, you know, you know, you, it, it might not be a fucking cup or whatever, but at the same time, you know, this match mattered. This match was a hard fought match. You finished out, you came out on top. Cheers guys. And there was that vibe hard. Well, especially, um, especially talking about a team that's still fighting for the fourth spot on the table um, versus the number two. I mean, and that was a huge win for Liverpool at home. Um, you know, you were absolutely right. Seeing Anfield fucking light up after the match was actually pretty inspiring. So, The only thing I'm worried about is this talk. Uh, I mean, looking forward, this talk about Salah's wage demands and whether or not uh Liverpool are actually going to kick in the money for him and or the fact that they still haven't is just like why not like Absolutely. why are you not paying that man exactly I mean he, he has he not shown enough throughout just this season alone why he should be paid as one of the highest uh, one of the highest forwards in the game I I can't see why not like in the game game not just That's like the league like yeah no, in the game he is legit he as is. much I mean, as I hate to say it the way that God, he creates I've seen that man dives so many fucking times. It just makes you want to like fucking slap in the back of the head sometimes. But at the same time, he is a baller. Yeah. The, the way, the way he creates stuff for that team is, is you can't not talk about that. I mean, he, he's a very, 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 very special talent. And I, people give him a credit, credit that he's due, but I don't feel like he gets enough. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to the whole Chelsea deal. These contracts are coming up. Sadio Mane's contracts coming up for Mino's contracts coming up. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Well, good showing for Liverpool. All right, so now we're going to get into Sunday's matches. We'll start off the Watford-Arsenal match. It's actually a really good match to, to, to get into, especially for the neutral. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of had a bit of everything. For 90 minutes, Watford just refused to kind of to lay down. The Hernandez goal as well. I mean, that was, that was out of this world. Yes, it was. Yeah, that was an amazing goal. <laughs> For real. I mean, like, they were just like, that's a worldie. That is a fucking worldie. That was, that, that, if that's on the fucking highlight reels for this year, I don't know. I don't know what people were watching because that was fucking, that was incredible. Fuck making me watch this 16 year old Rooney shot over and over. Give me that overhead kick. Absolutely. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead, man. It was good to see with Odegaard as well. Um, I mean, I've kind of followed him for quite a few years now since that like was he 16 when he signed that for first real? transfer to yeah uh-huh. yeah he kind of like announced to the world and everything um went to real for pretty big money and i was i was scared for him that he he just wasn't going to find his feet um do you remember bojan kerchich for uh, barca kind of like a similar deal he, he broke in he was like a kid 17 um he admitted that like he, he couldn't handle the pressure of it but Odegaard, he kind of started started to look like he was in good similar way. Um, yeah. I do found I think that he's he's found his feet at Arsenal, and he's getting some good rhythm, and I think he, he has been a really good signing for him. But the the Arsenal Watford game itself, I don't know whether it was Arsenal's. They're still struggling to manage games for ninety minutes. Um, I mean Watford again, they 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 made it difficult for him. 
But this this could have been four three. This could have been three all. This could have been four all. Um, I do or think it could Ars- have been three one. Yeah. Yep. I do think Arsenal they do need to work on their 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 game management, but they they've kind of been able to to quietly put results together. Um, with all the attention that's been on Man United and like I guess the last few weeks as well with Chelsea. Um, no one's kind of like been chatting about Arsenal. They've just slowly gone in this like little run. <laughs> I really like. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to kick back on the the Odegaard bit because I I really going back to what I said last week about uh, Mikel Arteta. After watching this match and seeing what he was able to do with those guys, I I I'm not taking it back, but he's he's earning more levels up to the potential of taking over for Pep after seeing that. Like, I really liked what I was seeing from Odegaard. I obviously, I mean, Saka is just like, he is an impressive talent for his age. Like, it is, that's, it's going to be really interesting to watch him and Odegaard develop as they get older. Uh, with you saying that, I was going to ask you again that this week, and I think I'm probably going to ask you every week, because I, I I think in a year or two, probably two years, I think you are looking at, at your next manager. I think he's going to, he'll be back to replace Pep. If he keeps up like this and can keep around a top four, you know, keep them around top four, it could be a real thing. Arteta. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, you gotta really like dig back in when he was the assistant. Cause that was I, like, there was, I, I mean, there were some times where Pep was kicked off the pitch and he had to actually manage and right. like, God, those, I love Pep. <laughs> anyway. Um, great match. Yeah. I mean, five goals as a as a neutral. That's that's just a fun match to watch. It really was. It absolutely was. And we'll be right back after these messages. This is our, our Boris Johnson, our hopefully um, still prime minister, and and you are listening to 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 the um, three points and a uh, pie podcast. Well. Let's get into the big topic this weekend. The match of that day. The match of the day. The Derby. The Manchester Derby. Cristiano Ronaldo does not fucking travel with his fucking squad. Are you fucking serious? Are I you mean, fucking serious? You you gotta really question the the whole what like hamstring injury or something like that. Is that what they're saying? They I read this morning. I read this morning that. Ralph and fucking Cristiano got into a tiff and he fucking pulled a little prima donna bullshit and basically stomped out of there and decided to get on a fucking plane with his family to go to Portugal. You're yeah, like, really going to get on a fucking plane that was and not travel with your fucking squad to the Derby? Like, are the Derby like, are you? That's, that's, that's a bitch move, dude. I'm sorry. I don't know. I, I, all of you United fans out there listening right now, I do not today. I don't give a fuck about your feelings. You guys look like absolute fucking shit. It was a glory, glory Manchester City match. Man, man, watching those boys. What man, Kevin De Bruyne? I I want like your DNA to replicate into future human <laughs> beings. <laughs> Yeah, dude, it was a really good show. Dude, him and Riyad Mahrez came out. Those are my boys. I love them. Shout out to y'all. You guys put on a fucking hell of a show for City. I got goosebumps. Grealish, I got goosebumps man. Watching. And dude, Grealish. Dude, Grealish had it. Okay. 
this is the first time in on all of the different you know groups and stuff that you and I are in Kyle for City. This is the first time I've been able to scroll down in any of the comment sections about Grealish and them not sit there and tear him the fuck apart. He looked like 80 fucking million dollars on Derby Day. And I fucking loved every bit of it. Yeah, he's really... If that's any indication of him progressing, we're in for a fucking show. Absolutely. Like, everybody needs to fucking gear up because Jack Grealish is coming for your fucking ass. Yeah. Like, next season, Jack Grealish should really scare some people but it, i mean that's that's still a great match by any standards so it I really mean, was and then you got to see the uh just just absolute display of skill from harry Maguire all match i mean <laughs> that fucking guy oh man he dude it felt like well let's 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 take a break on this and let's talk about what we said last week about how he like he just doesn't he doesn't know his place there well <laughs> unfortunately that was the I mean, only he place like a in kid that that's like in the line. middle of walmart can't find his mom like <laughs> this kind of eyes darting around can't see like man he is he is hilarious um i do want to say uh props to Jaden sancho i i mean he had a good game got that goal yeah, fantastic game. um he he was Great runs, uh, great like uh, dribbles, um, yeah, great match from him. I don't, I mean, for what what we've been seeing from Alanga or Alanga or whatever, uh, I don't feel like that was one of his better matches. Uh, but I do, I feel like we were kind of holding them back, like their attackers weren't able to go as far forward because we were just beating down the door all day, mm -hmm. um, and that just messed with his game. Well, going back, going back to Cristiano though. Looking at how the game went, do you really think that he would have been a difference maker in it? It's hard to say because you have to mark differently. You know, you have somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo in there. All they have to do really is throw a cross in and he can fucking articulate that header. Yeah, but I feel like the way that they've been playing, and this is something we've talked about in the past, um, in the past episodes, it, it, there, there, isn't a, there isn't a bit of cohesion up in the front. It seems like... Jaden Sancho, Alanga, uh, even Bruno Fernandez, they're trying to get their own. And with Cristiano sitting in the middle and basically waiting for the pass to come to him and him not really doing anything to create the play, I, mean, I don't think that for that match he would have made a shit bit of a difference. And it was probably best that he didn't travel. Um, I really liked the way that the, the front six were playing, the front seven were playing in this match for United. I think there was a lot to, obviously there was a lot left to be, to be desired for them. Uh, you know, when, when Riyad Mahrez came in and scored that third goal, I mean, it, it just, everybody, that, that, uh, that place, the Etihad was fucking electric. Yeah. Absolutely fucking electric after that. And even the second Kevin De Bruyne goal, uh, that place was fucking on fire. So I don't really know that even United could have mustered up the guile to, be able to come back and put them in a, or even put themselves in a situation to keep it a close match. So I don't why know. pull Paul Pogba? Why does Ralph do half the fucking shit he does? Like that really made no sense. And so like 64th minute, like I, I just don't understand your thought process. The guy is actually probably one of the scarier parts of what you have going on right now. And like, it didn't, I didn't see any indication that he had a knock or anything. So like, it literally just looked like they were pulling him off for like a strategic change. And it's like, 
that's a that's a stupid move. This guy mm-hmm. is literally what's what's making our defense scared right now. Otherwise, it's kind of just like Jaden Sancho and a little bit of uh, Bruno Fernandez for the messy of it. Um, but I, I don't know. Like it's I, I don't know. They're they're shambles. Well, I want to I want to quote uh, Craig Burley. Um, I was watching a segment uh, on ESPN FC earlier. Um, and it's something that I entirely felt for United this entire time. It was like, it was like they wanted to play and then all of a sudden they didn't. And then they thought that they should play and then they're like, mm, nah, I don't want to. Uh, they, they just felt like that, it felt like a back and forth way for them. And like, I know that, you know, through, through a match, you, you kind of have to take everything and, and, and do it in little spurts, you know, especially when you're on the attack, but on the attack, Laporte and Stones held everything down for the most part, I mean, the one goal that went by, whatever. They just couldn't break it. Um, my biggest thing with with this game was um, everyone was talking about the performance of of Man United. Um, I mean, up to half time, I I did feel that they had they were in with a good shot of it. Um, everyone talks about the, they they come out and they kind of down tools. They they didn't play. I don't think that was quite the case. I think they were just exposed. I think Man City. You know, the first half, they were kind of like in maybe second gear. And then when they come out on that second half, I think they up gears and it, it showed the, the, the golf in, in the difference between the teams. Man United, they, they lack a spine. All through the years, you know, every great team, you've got that, that, that midfielder, defensive midfielder. You've got a, a solid back two. That core spine through the team. Um, with Man United at the moment, you've you've got Fred, who I and again I, I say this pretty regularly. I still don't know what Fred is. What is a Fred? Um, what is a Fred? What is a Fred? <laughs> Sorry, but what is a Fred? It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I guess that's kind of the beauty of him if you can make it work, though. But I mean, even what he said a couple weeks ago, and he shows up like every one in six games. Yeah, that's the real issue. I mean, because he's he really that's kind of that I go okay. So he's kind of just not great at anything, also, but he's kind of good enough at everything. Yeah, well, with I mean, going off your point about Ronaldo, um, I think Ronaldo would have a lot more goals, and Man United would be doing a lot better than they are if he had a a solid team behind him. Ronaldo is not going to press. He didn't really press when he was young. And he's definitely not going to press at the age he is now. Got him that's not pressing from the front, which falls then to, to Fred and McTominay. They're not always the, the, the strictest positional sense. Um, Fred kind of tends to, to roam, from what I can see, kind of roams in, in front of McTominay, trying to clear it up. Mm-hmm. And then it falls to McTominay. And McTominay, it, it, he is not a, a top four I don't think he's even at the a top half of the table defensive midfielder. Mm-mm. So no. it, it passes him. So then you've you're you're then back to Maguire and Lindelof. Um, mm. I've been really critical of Maguire over the years. Um, but if you put Maguire with a, a centre back this this commanding, this smart that can read the game, I mm. think Maguire's game will come up. It, it's not there. Maguire's having to lead. He's not a leader. He's always caught out. And unfortunately, if you're a defender that's always regularly caught out, if you've got pace, you can you can make up the mistakes. Uh, Rudiger, he's always got a mistake in him, but he's got pace <laughs> to kind of like recover it, you know? Yeah. Um, Maguire, if he doesn't 
if he reads that wrong, he's he's left for dead. There's there's no way he's catching anyone. So then he seems got, like he struggles a little bit when when he has a an attacker coming up on him to be able to switch his body position very well without having to rotate everything around. So and he's not keeping anything in front of him to what I'm seeing. You know, he's trying to he's trying to come up and and defend, which is good. I mean, that's your position, but you're also you're also supposed to be holding the back part of that line. You're the last line of defense before the before the goalkeeper. And, you know, he constantly seems like he's being caught off guard almost. Quite easily. It, it, I don't think it was objectively just Man United's performance. It's, it's the case of you see that, that difference in class. You do. I mean, I don't want to say that. I really, because mm-hmm. you, you, can't, you can't put down. I mean, if you just took their starting 11 on paper and you just looked at that and you're like, like, would you be like, oh, that's a shit team? Absolutely Realistically, not. no. Yeah, no. exactly. No. And it's it's just that they haven't had consistent man. They don't. I mean, we we can beat that dead horse all we want about they'll they just don't have a soul right now. They don't. And I feel like I, I feel like I'm gonna harp on this because it's been said, because Alfie said it, and I really, really fucking believe it. There's no one there playing for the team for the badge they're playing for them fucking selves every single one of them i don't know i i think that i think that there are maybe a handful but not enough there are i mean you Um, have a you have the course like right in the middle but i mean mean, phil jones is still there for god's sake but anyway (laughs) um but i also to that effect i really like in my experience with all the derbies we've had I've really found that Eric Bailly is one of the scariest defenders against us. And I feel like he's a good mix up and can fuck with Pep sometimes. And that's why like when, when he's, when he's played and when he started against us, there's always been something funky happening in that match. And it, I, I feel like it was a mistake to not include him yeah, really. Although out of the two, I don't know who I'd switch because I don't know if him and Lindelof would really fit. And I, don't think that him and Maguire, I don't know. I don't know how I play that, but I think that Eric Bailly should have been in. And that just about does it for this segment. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hello, this is Jamie Carragher, and you're listening to the Three Points in a Pie podcast. All right, so. Last match. Oh, yeah, we have the, the Tottenham, uh, Tottenham ever. God damn. Yeah. yeah. Holy fucking shit. Harry had two. Henry Charleston's a little bitch sometimes. Just looking at the last four matches. Um, I mean, this is this was far and away the blowout, obviously. <laughs> uh, five nil. And the last match they had was nil-nil. One before that, they evened it two, and then it was a nil-one Everton match. Um so, I mean, I guess maybe looking at it, you could see the progression. <laughs> you can see the progression of Tottenham, um, especially over those last four or five games. Uh, it feels like they've turned it around, and there's definitely a couple they should have won there, and they fucking didn't. Um, Tottenham had 50% shot conversion, shot on target, um, but Everton was 0-6. to six And you got down there at least half of the times that Tottenham did, and you couldn't get a shot off. That's pretty bad they're their back line's not 
something spectacle or enough of a spectacle to talk about for them to not have scored at least a goal. I think for me as well, um, leaving out Deli Ali at this game, I don't think he come on to about the, the, the 70th minute or so, but um, the damage was already done. Bring it's his it's his ex team. If anyone's on that pitch, he's going to want to prove a point. It's going to be Deli Ali. Um, I would love to see him actually start Deli Ali and Van Vanderbeek together. I think mm. I think they can too. They can play well as two kind of roving tens, and at least it would give them that kind of creativity going forward. Mm-hmm. Because a, a big thing with Everton is obviously scoring goals. But I mean, uh, this this result here. I mean, that's put Everton straight back down into the relegation battle. And yeah, and I mean, it's a good. It, they've got decent squad there. They do, but I mean, if just from the weeks past, I mean, it looks like they switched up their formation a little bit. They were running a three-five-two, um, from what it looks like here. And it with all, I mean, that's a really packed midfield. From what it seems like, I feel like they probably should have used. Um, like a four five two or like a four three three there. I mean that's and with them not bringing in Deli Ali up until the seventieth minute. I mean they, you're, you're absolutely right. I agree with you. And they also didn't bring. Uh, excuse me, Donnie Vanderbeek went out the sixtieth. Um, and I'm assuming I'm missing this. Uh, he was he was switched out from Michael Inko. Um, so I mean I guess that wasn't really a terrible midfield, but also at the same point in time, I, I totally see what you're saying with Donnie Van de Beek and um, Deli Ali being on the pitch together. That, that makes the most sense to me. I feel like you have the most opportunity created on both sides of the pitch to be able, you know, to get up into the box. I mean, um, when you're talking about a five-man midfield, like why wouldn't you have two players like that in a five-man midfield? You know, right. like who are like, I, I mean, who else? I mean, Alan or like, I don't know, like, like you're saying this person's better because I wouldn't say that, but I don't know. Um, I, I just I think that we're seeing a peak to another Tottenham Valley, so we'll see what their next loss is. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I think that Eric Dyer's been having some good games. I didn't want to throw that out there. He's been he's been impressing me defensively, but that's about all I got to say about that. All right. Is there anything else we want to get into, guys? Um, I mean, the only thing that, that I'd add is um, I'd, I liked Lampard as a manager. I, I, I thought he'd done really well with us that first season. But I don't know if he's either got the experience or... I hope that's not the case. Um, I think that it would not be... I think that would be cutting short his opportunity just like Chelsea did. Because, I mean, like, I remember us facing Chelsea when he was managing there and feeling, like, mildly outclassed. Like, like Pep, what the fuck? And then, you know, there would be, like, a third of the match where it's like, okay, there you go, Pep. But, you know, but it just, like, I think that he has it in him. I think that you just have to give him enough time to really get his system in there. I agree with that. I, I I feel like, and I think we said this last week, there's a lot of times where, um, you know, coaches come into a system and it's not even just in um, European football or world football. It is also in American football. I feel like a, co- a coach needs two to three years with a, with a team, especially one that has a little bit of a foundation, him be able to make the pieces and moves that he needs to make um, to become more successful. Um, and there's a lot of 
I feel like there's a lot of pressure um, from supporters uh, towards clubs whenever it comes to a, a coach that's not on a winning track um, for them to push him out and find somebody new. And I just don't think that that's the right mentality. I don't think that's the right rhetoric um, going into that because you, uh, every, be, whether it be a player or a coach, they need time to settle in. They need time to be able to get people at a certain mentality, like you said. I just think with Lampard, though, I mean, I, I completely and utterly agree with you. Um, I, I do hate that knee-jerk mentality. In Lampard with us, it wasn't so much the, 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 the time in the seat. I think if the performances had been there, um, I think he, he, he potentially would have still been there with us. But the, the performances dropped off so much. And defensively, I mean, we was a shambles. We was a wreck. Um, and for me, you're, you're seeing echoes of, of Chelsea with Everton now. I mean, Tuchel come in and I, he, we signed no one. It was exactly the same group of players. And we won yeah, the Champions that, League. I mean, that's it part was, of it, though, is like one, one year, one whole summer transfer window. I mean, one whole year of transfers, Lampard didn't get to be like get to have because of the ban, you know. And then Tuchel essentially got to have the benefits of all of his big spending and then Tuchel spending, you know? Yeah, but I mean, Tuchel's only really brought in, I mean, a massive sign in Lukaku. And I mean, Lukaku ain't really kind of done too much. But I mean, that's still uh, million. it's still pretty much the same 11, more or less. Um, I mean, Rudiger was out under Lampard. Um, it was yeah. pretty much the same 11 that Tuchel's playing now as what Lampard had there under him. Um, and that's where I'm getting into, like, with the the, the actual the, the tactical awareness of it. Um, for me, I felt Lampard, he had a lot of games that just drifted him by. He didn't really know what to do, and he was in over his head. And, I mean, that's coming from a Chelsea fan. It, it Lampard, as a player, I mean, I absolutely fucking worshipped. He was a legend, and he always will be at Chelsea. Mm. But just what as a manager... Yeah, that really pissed me off with you guys. <laughs> that that, that game. He, do you remember oh when he God. scored against Chelsea? Yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, that was a fucking cracker. <laughs> and there was a big thing Man. about Man City um, legend and it's like, fuck off. Like, you know, it, it was there for a few weeks. Yeah, no, I mean, oh, he was there for like two years, but still, exactly. It, was, it wasn't like, what, eight or 12? Well, his whole academy career too, right? Well, he was in New York with you guys and then he come back, didn't he? And oh, he had like, was he? Part, yeah, they yeah. went out to New York, the the Man City team out there. I think he played out there. NYCFC. Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. He went Man City then now. But um, that's what that's what it was. It when was they started calling him a Man City legend, it's like, come on. I mean, he got to where, you know, he got to get a medal with City. I think he got two medals with City. Maybe just one. But still, you know, like a Premier League medal is it is. Not, and I then mean, I mean how many clubs even have one, you know? Yeah, but well, you've already I mean, taken was... Manchester. Like, leave the legends alone. I'm with so. you on that. I would not call him a legend at all. He was just a player who was not wanted by his club anymore and could yeah. still play Premier League football. He yeah. kind of finished out. Yeah, totally. But he finished out fucking strong. He, like, man, he played – like, that was that – was that's when – that was, like, when Leicester won the league. And that – I think that next year we, was when we won. I think as a player, I think he could still play now. Uh, I, I, who with Tevez over in the MLS? I don't know about that. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I definitely think that he could play in the MLS. He could absolutely, but I don't know if he could play Premier League football anymore. I'd be oh. interested to see like a shooting competition with him, like you know, like a horse or something. 
<laughs> that guy used to be able to put the ball fucking anywhere. It was impressive. Danny Rojas, Rojas, Danny Rojas. Football is life. Football is life. <laughs> oh my god. Have you seen that, Alfie? What's that? Ted Lasso. I've still not I've I've not got any subscription to Apple. I was really excited about it and then I kind of realized that it was just gonna be on Apple and then you kind of pissed me off a little. I'm gonna get an Apple account and I'm gonna send you my information. Sorry, Kyle, I'm getting off yours now. <laughs> if they'd done a few seasons of it, I would kind of <laughs> contemplate, but yeah, I mean, they—they they, it's—they're going into the third, right? Yeah, and they're talking about a fourth, but it—they said that it's always been been planned to just be like a three-act show. So who knows? Right. They're trying um, to stay. I think they're trying to stay true to the format of most British shows. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. That wraps up our show this week. Uh, look forward to seeing you guys back next week on Wednesday. That wasn't too bad, was it? Now it's time for you to do a little work and click like or follow. And if you really got some life left in you, then leave a comment or review. That's me done. Got me driver waiting.